I will take what is mine with and blood. Welcome to the Make Westeros Great Again podcast, the greatest podcast that ever was or will be. Today, we're just going to sit around in a field and talk about life. We are here to cover HBO's Game of Thrones, and most importantly, we are here to make Westeros great again. My name is Andrew of House Swearingen. And my name is Kevin of House 1-1. And we are talking about the seventh episode, The Broken Man. And I think we got to start it off with this, right? The Hound is back. The Hound is back. The Hound. We all thought he'd be back, right? Okay, so you didn't yeah. read the book, but did you Did you get the, the sense that, you know, when he's laying there, bleeding out, his bones sticking through his thigh, is that the last we would see him, or what did you think? You always got to be concerned if you didn't see the kill shot happen on camera. You always have to be concerned, and we did not see that kill shot. Uh, I was hoping he'd be back, man. Sandor's my dog. He's, he's literally your dog. He's your hound. He's literally uh, my dog. A couple other things that happened. Arya got stabbed in the stomach. Or was yeah, it she Arya? Did. Was it Arya? There have been rumors swirling oh, all week. God. It's crazy. Uh, I'm interested to see where that storyline goes. Uh, we also got John and Sansa out on the recruiting trail, just like John Calipari. Although they're not as good as John Calipari, which we'll get to. Uh, but let's preview a couple things. Uh, we're going to do some wildfire hot takes where specifically we're going to address the issues that Sansa and John are having in the recruiting. And we're going to take advice from some of the best recruiters in college basketball on what they can do better. Are you excited <laughs> about that, Kevin? I'm so excited about that. Yes, uh, I am. And uh, we're just go going to and we're going to finish off with the Book of Brothers and the It Is Known prediction segment. Lots to talk about in the episode. Lot to get you all ready for. Uh, but let's start off with some wildfire hot takes. Wildfire. Stay clear. Stay clear. All right, Andrew, we got to start out with the box score, and we had a few more kills this episode. In fact, you know, we lost an entire village of nice religious people in this episode, uh, unfortunately. So, And we're going to credit those kills, I guess, to the three bros and the brohood without banner, right? Uh, I don't know. So I, I guess I didn't want to count all the people, and we didn't see it on screen, so I wasn't going to make it like a huge deal. But apparently those guys are in the Brotherhood Without Banners. Remember that cool little fighting troop with Thoros Amir yeah, way yeah. back in the day? Uh, apparently they killed those guys, or at least those three guys did, or maybe the whole Brotherhood came back. We'll probably find out in the next episode. But that's all we got. That was, I, I think, even though a whole village was slaughtered, I think it was... Uh, an episode that lacked on lacked in killing. Is that true? Lacked in on-screen killing, uh, I go. think is the way we could put it. But, the you know, listen, what the, I thought the Brohood Without Banners was like a cool little group, man. They're just out freaking murdering villages. What's the story here? Yeah, I think there's more to that that we'll find out. But let's move on okay. and talk about the question or the MVP of the episode. So I'm going to throw a couple of these out to you, Kevin, about who was the MVP of episode seven. Uh, as always, the criteria can be whatever you want it to be. Who did the most to advance their cause? Who was the most badass? Or, or just because? Couple I want to talk to you about. Let's let's talk about the first one. The Hound, Sandor Clegane. Biggest mm. thing, he's alive. That's that's a lot, right? Yes, that's a that's a big leap. He he has advanced his cause a lot by being alive. 
<laughs> well, and I think he's back on team violence. Mm. You know, if there's a team pacifism, team violence, he's now firmly on team violence. He, he did a little push to get there. You know, he was he was moping around a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think he's he's done chopping logs. I think he's ready to chop some people. Okay, let's move on to the next one. I think this is going to win. This is the People's Choice on Twitter. We did a little Twitter poll, and this one won. And that is Leanna Mormont, the 10-year-old lady of Bear Island, giving some uh, smirks, giving some hot hot quips to John and Sansa and Davos. Uh, what do you think about this little girl, Kevin? You know what? I, I, at the time I watched it, I thought, gosh, she's a boss. And then I kind of thought about it a little more, and then I watched that scene again, and it just feels like a little bit unbelievable that this like five year old <laughs> is, is this much of a boss, but at the same time she's kind of a boss, and so I'm buying it. I'm all in. I love yeah. Leona Mormont. She is the best. Uh, probably my favorite uh, new character this season. If I hope we see her more again because she, I don't know why. You know, Something about she was terrific. She'll be a strong contender for Rookie of the Year. Yeah, uh, you know, and I don't know if you saw like later in the episode when John and Sansa are, you know, amongst their men, amongst their soldiers. Uh, she's there. She's oh, there with her 62 fighting good, men. Good. Good. Yeah. All right. Good. I want to see her swing a sword. I mean, like I she she got my vote. Uh, I doubt she'll swing uh, she a sword, is. but who knows? Uh, also, <laughs> the Blackfish, you know, keeping the war going, keeping it going. My man, my man is back and he's got an off drawbridge <laughs> to go with it. Oh yeah, uh, I need a drawbridge. No kidding. No kidding. How much did that cost to make? Because that was like a legit drawbridge. That wasn't like fake, right? That looked pretty real. That drawbridge was built on the backs of the lower class of River Run. <laughs> well, they did a fine job. They could build me a bra- drawbridge anytime they want. Okay, a couple uh, yeah. others to talk about. Queen of Thorns. You know, she was pretty mopey this episode. But her mopiness led to some pretty sick burns on on Cersei. Yeah, they did, and I thought it was pretty cool uh, when she was like, "Well, we're here because of your stupidity," and Cersei's like, "We need each other." And I'm like, "Man, I wonder if you're the worst person I've ever met," <laughs> which is hilarious. I wonder if you're the worst person I've ever met. But yeah. truly vile do stand out through the years. <laughs> Wasn't pulling any punches. Do you think she'll actually leave? I think so. I think so. I'm not sure. I actually don't know where that's going. Well, but. I, I think that Marjorie's got a plan, and that yeah, uh, her we plan, do know that. Her, her 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 grandma won't leave, and that her plan will will backfire, uh, and it won't be well for the Queen of Thorns. But that's just Uh-oh. a guess. Uh, uh, last one, latecomer MVP uh, Yara, Theon's sister. You know, maybe snapped Theon out of his funk or his depression or his just general skittishness. Drink the goddamned ale. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, that's all you need to say. That's all I gotta say. Of those that's five, all, of those five candidates, who is the MVP of the episode? I'm going with Leanna. I just, I it was too good. She's yeah. she had some pretty sick burns. She had some pretty sick. Uh, uh, honestly, like. If we're just talking leadership style, I think she's number one among the whole crew. <laughs> so, okay, let's d- dive into this a little further. Her leadership style, I would wager, is putting her hand up to get people to be quiet. Yes. That's like a first grade teacher. <laughs> you just put your hand up and everyone gets quiet. Yep. Yep. It worked. 
It worked. Okay, let's move on and talk about the rookie of the year. couple guys to talk about. Uh, the first one, Brother Ray. Mm. Uh, this was portrayed by Ian McShane of Deadwood fame. I don't know if you watched Al, Al Swearingen. Al Swearingen. Uh, he My was guy. the Hound's uh, spiritual guru and kind of the construction foreman of this <laughs> new church or this Burning Man thing. It kind of had a very Burning Man feel to it. You know, we don't need currency, man. Everybody just trades. Everybody just yeah. trades here. Uh, didn't work out well for Brother Ray. Although, yeah. uh, people were disappointed that he didn't do this one speech from the books. But I thought that it was great. He did have a pretty good speech. Uh, I just want to listen to him uh, talk on screen about anything. The gods aren't done with you yet. The That's gods what he aren't said. done with you yet, Sandor Clegane. Uh, you know, big name actor comes in for one episode, but I think, you know, really gets overshadowed by Leanna Mormont. You know, is she the new front runner? This is tough. We we haven't seen a whole lot from um from Euron, and I feel like he's gonna play a role here at some point because they they built that up so big and then we haven't seen him in a while. So I'm I'm holding out to see uh, if in the last uh, the playoffs here because we got the playoffs coming up uh, here in the last couple episodes we're in the we're in the home stretch of the regular season at the moment and then the playoffs we get to see who shines so um, I'm not quite sure yet but I I, I want to see a little more I agree uh, you know she has 62 fighting men which mm-hmm. is basically an NFL roster plus the practice squad maybe a yeah. handful of guys here and there. Doesn't have a lot to bring to the table. She just brings herself in the New York Giants. But, uh, you know, that Mormont flag flying in the back is going to be big for John and Santa. We've also decided that we're going to move all of these other characters to the category of comeback player of the year. And we're referring to these people who have been gone for 10 or more episodes. You cannot be rookie of the year. Because you've been gone for a while. You are now a comeback player of the year. And boy, yeah. do we have a list here. You know, obviously, starting off with the hound, getting mm. ready to do some axe murder. But also your boy Blackfish. My boy Blackfish holding up in River Run. We got Edmere now, uh, who's doing not much, really. Avoiding death, I guess. <laughs> he hasn't even said <laughs> so, a word. He hasn't even said anything. He didn't even like make a sound. No, uh, it may not even be him. And then we got Benjin. Benjin's back. Uh, he's obviously uh, been, been a huge one. I guess we could talk about Bran being comeback player of the year because he's been he was gone for a whole season. Now he's back. Uh, whatever. And then uh, Mira was uh, returned. And then, of course, Hodor uh, as well. So those guys were gone for 10 or more episodes. And now we've right. got them all back. Uh, feeling good about the Blackfish's chances in my world. Also, Benjamin and the Hound. So it's going to be tough b- between those three for me right now. This may be the most competitive category of the year. I think you're right. You I know, think you're even, right. Even at the end, you have Mira, the dog sled champion, the new dog sled champion, and Hodor, the people's champion. Lots lots could happen. Andrew, Some, someone could question. pop up out of here and could could win it all. Well, here's another question. Will there be any more comeback players of the year added to this list? I don't know. Who could it be? Well, you know, there's one out there that people keep talking about. Yeah, we'll see. But but no one likes that and will not win. Will not win. 
Okay, let's talk about the Hall of Fame. This is, of course, as voted on by the Baseball Writers Association of Westeros. You can join the Baseball Writers Association of Westeros mm. uh, by becoming a member of the Book of Brothers, which we will tell you more about a little bit later. But we only have one Hall of Fame qualifier this week, and of course that is Brother Ray, because oh, he is the only person uh, who died with a name that we knew. We didn't know those other people. So <laughs> to become a member of the Hall of Fame, you must be dead. Brother Ray, Al Schweringen, is now dead. I argue that he is the best one episode or short-term uh, person on Game of Thrones since Carsey. And you might remember Carsey as that badass wildling chick at Hardhome. Remember her? Oh, yeah. She was great. Like, she, everyone's but like, she oh, came, this person's she, awesome, and then she died. <laughs> she's going to be the greatest white ever, like the yeah, undead right. zombie. She'll be the best. So he Brother be right. Ray, uh, don't think he's got a shot to be in the Hall of Fame, but maybe there needs to yeah. be, you know, at the end of the whole series, there needs to be, like, the best one-off character. And we're going to include uh, somebody like Carl Tanner. Carl Tanner's going to probably take that. You know, just a one-off character. Oh, yeah. Not important to the plot dramatically, just kind of moves things along a little bit. But Brother Ray, uh, I hope you're resting in peace wherever and whatever uh, gods are, are real for you. Uh, but let's do some <laughs> quick fire questions. Uh, we've got a big topic, kind of our main topic of the whole podcast. This is gonna gonna kind of take place the uh, power rankings. Uh, for those of you who don't know. Kevin and I also do a college basketball podcast. And so you can kind of glean from what we talk about that kind of what we know and our, our baseline of knowledge kind of revolves <laughs> only around college basketball and fantasy football sometimes. So <laughs> what we're going to do here is talk about college basketball recruiting in the context of Westeros. Mm -hmm. So John and Sansa are out there on the recruiting trail. You know, they re reluctantly got... Leanna Mormont to pledge her 62 dudes. The Glovers, not interested. They need to step their game up. Yeah. Uh, and how do they do that, Kevin? Well, they got to up the recruiting tactics. They got to start getting a little bit more dirty because what they're doing is not working. And, you know, the first kind of lesson we can learn, uh, and one of maybe the most famous examples, is from Western University. And you might go, Western University? Which one is that? What's that? I don't remember that. Well, that's from Blue Chips, the movie. Um, and our, the man, Nick Nolte, uh, as head coach obviously goes out and recruits Shaquille O'Neal, uh, by buying his mother a house and like has all these bags full of money and has, uh, you know, all these <laughs> paying off all these guys, it got Anthony Hardaway and that one white dude from like whatever, Indiana, Indiana. French Lake, yeah. Indiana, <laughs> French Lake buys his so. dad a tractor by right. Shaq Alexis bags full of money everywhere. Um, you know this that that doesn't really work anymore in the NCAA, but I think it it's would harder. work for it would work for Westeros. Just bags full of gold dragons. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Now I I have to ask you this because I read somewhere or heard somewhere that the king's moot is actually something kind of like this in the books, where they just people just dump treasure on the ground, and the ones that have like the most treasure dumped on the ground, they end up getting the most votes to get care. They end up recruiting the best and and getting the votes. Is that's that a, a good example. That's a great example. Is that a thing? Uh, okay. Except, you know, maybe it's like how you become head coach <laughs> of a Fair team. Fair enough. 
He's like, I've got this much money, or I've got, you know, I can do all this. I can give you 12 Cadillacs. I can give you right. 13 Escalade. Right. So it, the analogy kind of works. Okay. Uh, but more of a modern analogy is Kentucky's John Calipari. Sure. So they walk up to the Glover household. Glovers aren't having it. Not mm. want not want to participate. What you got to do is you got to hook them up with a shoe contract, a shoe deal. Now, this has got to be played under the board because you can't get it until they go pro. But you go up to Robert Glover, I think it's Robert Glover, and say, <laughs> we'll hook you up with Under Armour. And then once you turn pro, they'll design a whole line around your house. We're talking baseball gloves. We're talking batting gloves. We're talking chainmail gloves. <laughs> all like all the whole glove line in Under Armour, House mm-hmm. Glover. Mm-hmm. And then they can't say no to that. No, of course not. And although I don't know if Kentucky would be pushing uh, Under Armour, but, you know, the well, Under whatever. Armour we're just hooking works. up with, right, that's Nike, but just generally we're <laughs> talking about can, getting a connection with the shoe, shoe contract, shoe company. But Under Armour, the name of it, sounds much more Westerosi than Nike. So <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> so I think your, your analogy works. I'm with you. I, I think you're right. Uh, they got to figure out a way to do that. Another example, uh, Andrew, would be to follow the University of Kansas uh, way of recruiting, and that's just hire their dad. As uh, hire the the recruits' dad as director of operations, or you can also promise their best friend can walk on. It'd be a walk on on the team. So, how would you uh, characterize this, Andrew? Well, maybe you go out and you recruit uh, uh, the Manderleys. The Manderleys. Okay, what do you got? What's your analogy here? Hit me. Okay, so you get the Manderleys, and you just say like, "Hey, Lord Manderley, you can be the director of maps." <laughs> Like you're like the third most important person in charge of this army. You are the uh-huh. the sergeant or the no, it's got to be a big name, like the general of maps. Or you give yeah. him, just just give him a name, like make him feel important, like we do in the Book of Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, sort of like that. So anyway, you can follow the Jayhawks example. Hire their dad, hire their best friend, uh, and then give them an important title. No, right. they they can't they can't refuse that. Agreed. The master of ships. It's kind of the same thing. Is there yeah. really a master of ships? Sure. I mean, and like, maybe, and for, maybe for a land army, like, yeah, you're in charge of all of our Navy. Like, you're the <laughs> admiral of our Navy, even though they're just, like, fighting in the snow. Right, right. Uh, this next one, I think, is the, probably the best uh, tactic you can use. Okay. This is from Louisville. And it's, you just have to have a party. Mm. You don't need to know what happens at this party. But you need to get someone like Braun to throw it, and you don't need to ask any questions. And guaranteed, they will join your army. Someone will write a book eventually about those parties. But the war's already won. They're not going to take <laughs> down your championship banner from winning the War of Winterfell. Right. They're not going to do that. Unless, you know, the only thing I could think of is if the, uh, the religious folks get involved and they read that book. And they go, oh my god! <laughs> what are we'll these deal with that doing? when we get to it. We gotta win this. We got the alumni calling up, like, "Hey, I thought the Starks, you know, the Starks haven't won anything in a long time. We gotta get a mm. win. Yeah, the Starks gotta get a win now." I'm with you. I'm with you. I got you. I got you. Okay. Last example: UCLA. This was back in the day, of course, but they had themselves a few bag men. Uh, they had, of course, Sam Gilbert out there paying everybody to come. Uh, play for wooden in the big ucla days now who can be the bag man probably davos right davos he's, is the, al- 
He's already been a bag man. He's the perfect bag man. He was Stannis' bag, bag man. man. Yeah. He dropped the bag of, of, of goodies to, uh, to what's his, the pirate? Uh, Salador San. Salador San. Yeah, he's already, he's got experience being the bag man. He's the perfect bag man. Yeah. So, so anyway, this is what Sansa and John need to do to get up their recruiting game, get the Glovers on board, get the Manderleys on board, get the Kerwins on board. Uh, you just got to you gotta, get you gotta dance game. around the rules a little bit. You got to step your recruiting game up. All right, Andrew, uh, I've got a couple questions here. We're, we're actually going to go north of the wall. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, we're going to go to the wall. We're going to be here, uh, and we're talking with John giving one of his patented speeches to the wildlings, encouraging them to fight. And at the end, we saw one one, right? And he's got done giving this great speech. And we everyone on online seemed to think that one one was on board with this because he just stood up and said, snow. But like, that's all he said. So I was kind of concerned. Was he talking about like he just wanted to go sledding or something? Or did, was he talking about John? Uh, well, she's talking about John because it seems like one one is the super delegate of making any decisions. That's a good where point. His vote counts for more than anyone else's. So I think it should. Uh, he's a giant, and he's you know worth like four people, and he can convince his way, can negotiate his way into being worth like. He's people. quite a negotiator. Yeah, no, because you know the question. only word we've heard him say in the past is Tormund. <laughs> so we know he knows so two nice. words he just knows names okay bonus question at the end of the speech the wildling gave john a handshake and it was like a just a normal like boring handshake like a, like just gave him a regular handshake and i was like this wait a minute scratch shouldn't wildling handshakes be like super cool like lebron handshakes or like women's college softball handshakes oh yeah like lots of lots of women's called softball handshakes on espn <laughs> these days just need to sit down. They need to come up with something cool. Like, honestly, there's not any crops to be grown. There's not much to do up there in the wildling camps. Like, what do you do when you're in a basketball camp in downtime when you're 12 years old? You come up with handshakes. Like, there's no Baller difference. Handshakes. Right. And then you just, when you when you make a play on at the practice the next day or the scrimmage the next day, you do it, and then they go and score on you. <laughs> but But, like, there's nothing else to do in those wildling camps, at least come up with some kind of cool handshake. All right, Kevin, uh, this series is winding down. It might be time for these characters to find something else to do after the show is over. So I have a question regarding what other jobs should these Game of Thrones characters have, you know, once their duties on the show are over. And we're not talking about the actors. We're talking about the actual characters on the show, what they can do. And I'll start off here. Uh, Davos, I think, would be a great first-grade teacher hmm. because the dude is great at talking to little kids. Mm. Yeah, I could see it. You know, he's had a lot of experience there between uh, the princess and uh, <laughs> uh, what's their name? Le- Shireen. Leanna. Shireen. I know. No, Leanna. I know Shireen, but then Leanna as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think he. I think you're right. I think he'd be great. I got I got one other one that's off the top of my head here. Sansa. Now hold, bear with me. Being a Project Runway contestant, you know the show Project Runway, where they like make clothes, like designer clothes, and then they do the whole thing. She's so good at making cool clothes, 
and she does it super fast. Oh yeah, I, I think she has like a legitimate shot. She could win. Uh, the only other ones I have are uh, Theon and John. I think she should start a band, like an emo band. <laughs> uh, something like not Ned's kids, you know, because they were kind of That's the good. outcasts of the family, even though they were kind of raised as the kids. Because they're both kind of brooding. We all saw Theon was a little skittish. And you know what? Theon needs to get some stuff out. Yeah, he, needs he does. to do that through some emo, dashboard confessional style. It's like... It's like Dashboard Confessional meets Simon and Garfunkel, and somehow it all works. I think I think you're right. This has to happen. All right, so if you have any other jobs for Game of Thrones characters, once the <laughs> season is over or the series is over, send it to at MakeWesteros on Twitter or Facebook.com slash MakeWesteros. Great again. We'd love to hear from you. Yes. Um, but I'm with you, Sansa. <laughs> Runaway favorite for Project Runway. All right, so here's another one, and and to to give this a little context, Andrew, you were in a fraternity in college. That's I right. was not. I was not in a fraternity. So I need your help here, and I have this take, and I want you to to provide a little background for me. So tell me this: Is Yara the most fraternity bro on the show? Like, her quote was literally, "I don't care what you want, drink the goddamn ale." Yeah, Theon. Like- yeah, you're right. Theon is a pledge. Theon will always be a pledge right. to Yara. Like he's he was treated like a pledge when he was given, you know, the sea bitch ship. Uh, <laughs> just because he's been gone, you know, and he didn't get initiated. You know, the what is dead may never die until like right. season two when he was older. Uh, he's always gonna be a pledge. So, so yeah, yeah, Yara's gonna Yara is the most frat dude. She's like slapping girls' asses and like <laughs> all this stuff. I think she's a huge fraternity, bro. Like that's what I gathered from this deal. But you know, right. I'm glad you have some context now. Yeah, and she's you know, she didn't win fraternity president. You know, mm-hmm. she lost. She she kind of formed her own fraternity. And they're gonna take back the fraternity. There's got to be some kind of movie in here. <laughs> I've seen this movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, a couple other things I want to talk about. The Waif probably has the best Halloween costumes of all time. Mm-hmm. What costume would the Waif do? So I gave this some thought, Andrew. I'm going to go with Ronda Rousey. I think she would kind of get off on the idea of just being a badass fighter because she's a pretty badass fighter, I think. It's been hard to tell if she's like actually really good, but... If she was Ronda Rousey for Halloween, like I think she, I think she'd feel a little more confident in her own skin. See, I think she would do something like completely off the wall and completely random, but like a like, perfect costume, like Ted Danson. What? Like she would show up looking <laughs> like Ted Danson, and it would be a perfect Ted Danson <laughs> costume. But if there was some sort of contest, she would lose because everyone would think like she was someone bad. Yeah. So it's like too go. good. She's too good at Halloween costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's a good point. All right, Andrew, the next one up. Reverend Al Swearingen was talking to the hound about what kept him alive and what kept him going. And the hound responded with the word hate. So I was thinking like, okay, so who does he hate? Like, is are we to like understand that it's supposed to be his big bro that he hates? And I, you know, I've heard something. I've seen this on Twitter a lot. 
I don't think it's a spoiler to talk about because I don't, I don't obviously the books aren't there. Uh, do you think we have a Clegane Bowl coming up? Like, I think so. Is that so. what this is setting up? Yeah, well, I don't know what else it could be setting up because we've got mentions about trial by combat for Cersei. This is mentioned several times and that she's going to choose the mountain to be her uh, champion. And she's very confident about the mountain right. you know, doing well. You have the Hound now associated with the Fae. Sure. You know, Reverend Al Swearingen was wearing the seven-pointed star around his neck. <laughs> uh, I don't know where he's going next, but he's... Now, you know, back on team violence. Uh, right. He hates his brother more than anyone else. Okay. I, I think this is where this is going. So, you know, you know, Muhammad Ali died this week. Yes. Rest uh, in peace. Just a lot of people coming out of the woodwork. He heard from, from Bob Arum. Uh, I think we need to get Bob Arum, a famous boxing promoter, to promote yeah. this fight. I wonder. So this is going to be huge, right? This is probably like the Super Bowl. Uh, the Clegane Bowl of Westeros. What do you think advertising is going to cost for the Clegane Bowl? Is there going to be a halftime show? Will we even be able to call it the Clegane Bowl or we have to call it something else because the Clegane Bowl is only allowed to be used by sponsors? How are we going to get this done, Andrew? I have so many questions. Well, we've only got a couple more weeks to do so. They may, and maybe they're going to, you know, if they want to increase the hype, you know, push it to next season. You know, oh, that this is what not. you do with boxing. This is what you do. You're right. You're right. So uh, right. the Clegane Bowl is coming, I think. If not, I don't know. It's one of those one fan theories where, you know, usually I wouldn't be disappointed, but I'm kind of like super jacked for that to happen. Uh, just speaking of the Hound, I just want to give a little warning to the Hound, like th- that he should watch out about his career. Because things usually don't go well for people who have like a high-profile career uh, and then devote their life to the church. You know, people struggle mm. making a comeback. And I just want to point out to one person, and that is the rapper Mace. You know, he was big time with P. Diddy and Bad Boy Records. And then he left to pursue a calling from God. He retired from the music right. industry. And he attempted two comebacks since... And I just want to ask you a question, Kevin. Have you heard a Mace song since 1998? Uh-uh. Nope. Uh-uh. Exactly. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Wait, <laughs> was I doing that right? <laughs> Did you get pretty that? good. I got it. Did you get that? I got it. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> just if you take your uh, your career path from Mace, like I don't think things are going to go well uh, for the Hound. All right, Andrew, let's move on. Uh, we got to do a little gambling roundup here, don't we? We are not gamblers. You are the world's best gamblers. Gambling. You're great. 40,000 gold dragons to the champion. Look at the fun we're having. Yeah, uh, not a ton to talk about, but I kind of wanted to just kind of go through, get the landscape of everything on the things that are still left on the board. Uh, We've got... How many sips of wine will Cersei take in the entire season? I think we've only seen her take one, right? Mm. So it's 13 and a half. The under is looking great, but we've got three episodes left and stuff's going to go down. So I think that that's going to be a big one going forward. Uh, Character will have the most on-screen kills. It's currently Danny, which is the field at even. You know, she had the uh, murder for fire barn party. Uh, they're in Vice Dothrak. 
Um, a couple other ones. Uh, it has been rumored that the last episode of the season will be called The Winds of Winter, which is four words, which would pay out at six to one. So Ooh. that's, uh, but we don't know. That's not been confirmed. Uh, and then the big things, Kevin, uh, I want you to take a look or just remember back to the character will die section. Any of these names you think you're going to, you know, bite the bullet, kick the bucket before the end of the season? I think Walter Frey still has a decent shot. He was next on our list as the most likely to die after Roos and Alistair bit the dust. And then Andrew, one more, one more thing. We talked about this early on, and this is where I put my money. Either Jamie or Cersei not making it through the season. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm still kind of partly thinking one of them may not make it. Well, other ones I want to point out. Tom and Baratheon, 5-2. Mm. to two. You know, is he going to be sitting the throne at the end of the season? I don't think so. I really, really? don't. Really, uh, but I don't know. I have no idea. But I, I just, I just don't have a feeling that we're going to end the season with him ruling. I think there's mm. got to be a change, and Tommen is going to go down. Uh, other ones to keep an eye on, uh, you know, High Sparrow, similar deal. I think mm-hmm. his fate's intertwined with Tommen. If one goes down, I think the other one goes down. And then Loras Tyrell, uh, I don't foresee him lasting that long. So that's our gambling roundup. We've got a lot to talk about that in the weeks ahead because I think Andrew, I gotta tell you this though, before we go too far, I heard from Jimmy the Bravosi. Oh no, is he okay? I heard from no, he's doing good. He's doing fine. Uh, he said he told me, and I'll, I'll hold him to it. This he told me that he would come back on the show if somebody from this list dies to give his analysis. Okay. And so, and and if. Owen has died before the ninth episode, so the one before the final episode. He's going to come on and give his prediction of who's going to die in the tenth episode. Okay. So giving you a chance to get your money. If you've had a difficult go at the Westeros, you still might have a shot. By the end of the season, Jimmy the Bravoti is going to come get some fruits. So we'll see. It's either going to be next week or the week after. We'll hear from Jimmy the Bravoti. I'm. I can't wait. I I really can't wait. All right, we're going to move on now and talk about the Book of Brothers. Book of Brothers. I've always dreamed about having a brother. All the great deeds of all the great kings, guys. That is correct. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a comment. If you leave a comment, we will put you into the Book of Brothers. And in the Book of Brothers, of course, we will give you a nickname and we will list your great deeds. Uh, we've got two this week. Kevin, you did them. Uh, let's start off with David. Tell us about David. Okay, so David, a.k.a. Lord of the Links, started at the Citadel training to become a maester to get all his little links on his little, uh, you know, his little necklace. But while studying the art of growing grass, he found his real calling, Andrew, developing golf courses. He set out to build the best course in Westeros, which he named Augustos National, and invited all the best golfers in the land to play in his tournament, the Maesters Golf Tournament. That is that is fantastic. We have seen the, the Maesters Golf Tournament pop up. We have. I think that it was airing right before Game of Thrones started, like the week That's David, before. David, David, a.k.a. Lord of the Links, helped set that up. 
That's, that's great. And, and I think we've got one more. Uh, sorry to Steve and Nathan. We'll get you next week along with a couple others. But Clay. Clay, yes. uh, it looks like he Clay is the Pizza Prince. Tell me about the Pizza Prince. <laughs> Clay the Pizza Prince, known the world over as the father of pizza, Andrew. He opened the first pizza restaurant in Volantis, which he called Volantino's. Uh, after much success there, he set out to start chains and franchises all over the world. You probably have heard of some of his other chains, Old Town Chicago, Mises Pizzas, and Papa Drogo's. Who would love me some Papa Drogo's. You know, it's just <laughs> right? simple. You can go in, pick it up, Papa Drogo's. But yeah, so Clay, the Pizza Prince, obviously the Pizza Prince. I, I think it'd be more important to be a Pizza Prince than like the Prince of Winterfell. I couldn't agree more. I mean, he started four franchises, Andrew. Volantino's, Old Town, Chicago. I mean, you've heard of these. These are these are all great. These are and they're also all great pizza. So he's obviously obviously got great pizzas. Taste. Great taste. Okay, Kevin, let's do the it is known prediction segment. It is known. It is known. It is known. It is known. Okay, Kevin. Let's talk about yes. Brienne. You want to talk about Brienne a little bit about what she's going to do in the next couple episodes. So we know she's heading to the Riverlands. We know Jamie's there. That should be fun. Uh, on the previously on, which I usually don't try to read too much into for my It Is Known prediction segments, but I couldn't help but notice uh, it looked like she said something to the effect of honor compels me to fight you. And I got a little excited because I want to see something between her and Jamie. I don't care if it's fighting. I don't care if it's love. I want to see some interaction between those two because they complete me. Do you think, Andrew, we will see Brienne and Jamie fighting this season? That's a great question. I hope so. And But we don't know what shape Jamie's in. You know, he was taking lessons from Braun like way back when. Season four. Has he kept that up? We don't know. I mean, Brienne, she's been hacking down Stannis. She took out all those Bolton guards. She is well-honed and well-trained for for this moment. So I think I take Brienne, I think, in hands down. Brienne minus 160. Oh, oh, probably more than that, right? You know, Jamie's Jamie's a big name. People like to go to to, uh, Bravos. They see a name. They see a Lannister name. They bet on it. Mm. That's a good point. Plus, he's got his little, like, guards around who don't really fight very fair. When he's fighting someone and they just throw a spear through their leg, I mean, that's not fair. That's that's not fair at all. We can't tag team versus Brienne. You just, it's you versus her, okay? We don't need your army involved. Uh, okay, and then, Andrew, and another uh, little point that we saw in this episode was that Sansa was looking pretty longingly at the Raven. We saw her writing potentially a recruiting letter. Uh, we've talked a little bit about recruiting this episode. Do you think she was writing to Littlefinger? Oh yeah. She needs his Knights of the Vale. She needs a bad. So this is kind of like when you, uh, you recruit somebody, right? You recruit the five-star player. And then at the last second, that five-star player who thought you thought was going to be going there the whole time uh, decides to flip at the last second and go to Arizona instead of Kansas. And all of a sudden you're stuck with uh, 
what's left? What do we do? Well, we have to go get Landon Lucas. We have to go get the three-star guy that has to, because we got to fill out the roster, right? Right. Is that what she's doing now? She's filling out the roster? Well, she's fill, she's got to fill out the roster because they just got to get bodies. And, you know, these wildlings, you know, they're not very disciplined. But the Knights of the Vale, mm. they're, they're, they're knights. And, you know, they haven't really been decimated like all of the other armies because they kind of stayed out of the past war. So they're ready for some, they're ready for some good murder, some good fighting. All right. Fair enough. And then very last, Andrew, we didn't see much of uh, Tyrion in this episode. He's been gone for two episodes. We have been missing Tyrion. So I I guess my, it is known prediction is that we will see Tyrion. Hopefully I've missed Tyrion. I've missed Tyrion. Although right. he hasn't really done anything this episode or this season. He's just kind of, I don't he's know. He's played whatever. politics and it's been kind of boring. Kind of boring. But he's, he teamed up with the uh, Lord of the Light folks, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, there's there's a lot to do with that. Um, in the future, I'm going to go ahead and on the record and say for it is known, I don't think Danny makes it to Westeros this season. There's uh, just not enough time. Just not enough no. time. No. I think you're right. I mean, we I predicted that at the beginning of the season as well, because uh, I think the point that I made was, what have they showed us to give us any indication that that's actually going to happen? And then we thought there might be a chance, and then they burned a thousand ships. Uh, and I'm also <laughs> going to say, I think that Tommen doesn't make it. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Tommen is going to die by the end of the season. Ooh. That's a, that is an it is known prediction. That's a that's a wildfire hot take. Yeah, it is it just it, things have to change for the story to move forward. Tom has to make it. I think you might be right. Maybe that brings on the Cersei craziness, and we see some real action in King's Landing this season. So uh, we shall see, Andrew. Uh, anything else before we get out of here? Well, it's it's playoff time. You know, we got episode eight, which is the last quarter the last half of the last quarter of the season. And then episode 9 and 10 of the playoffs. So the championship's going to be determined in these last three weeks. I think it's up in the year. Could be the Stark expansion team. Lannisters may come out of nowhere. Daenerys may decide to invade and just win the whole thing. Who knows? But it will be a great Game of Thrones playoffs. Looking forward to it. Again, please... Go out there, leave those ratings and reviews on iTunes. Helps us to get the podcast out to new folks. Also, tell a friend if you like the podcast. to Tell all your little Game of Thrones friends who come over and enjoy the show with you. Uh, we appreciate all of you listening and all of our new listeners. And we will be certainly adding some folks to the Book of Brothers next week. Until then, Andrew, Valor Morgolis. Valor Dohai.